The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. All right, so we're so, again, happy that you're here today joining us. If you're watching online, we welcome you as well. Just a quick reminder about our worship night tonight. Uh, our small group's gonna be there, and we'd love for you guys to be there as well. Your family, your small group, you as an individual, come on out. We're gonna hear from three different couples. They're gonna share a little bit. Wow, that's bright. Uh, we're gonna share a little bit about what's going on uh, in their lives when it comes to surrender, uh, community, and mission, and also just to sing together, just worship God, uh, about seven or eight songs. So come on out, 6.30 tonight. Uh, today we're continuing our series in um, our core values. Uh, last week we looked at surrender, uh, and when we really observed this last week, it was important for us to realize that when you surrender, uh, you surrender because you've seen the glory of God. There's no other reason to surrender besides the fact that it's all about God's glory, and you're gonna see throughout our time together that theme of God being glorified through our surrender. But also we realize that surrender can't just be limited to an individual. That surrender as an individual is where it starts, but in order for it to truly grow and grow as God has designed it in his word is that it takes community, a community surrendered together. And so we're gonna look at that today, that it's imperative that we pursue authentic biblical community. We're gonna look at five questions regarding biblical community, and the reason why we use that word, uh, biblical community, is there's plenty of community around. So the question, first one, is what is biblical community? And to be clear, we need to acknowledge that oftentimes people experience connections in community from lots of ways. It can be through sports, it can be through our connections uh, at school, it can be through music, it can be through theater, it can be around uh, cars or motorcycles or scrapbooking, knitting, uh, bird watching, I mean, you name it, there is community out there to be found. So we don't say here that we're the only ones who offer any kind of community because there's lots of it. And many of you have found it in different ways and you probably get up here and share some, some unique ones, right? That you're into that maybe we never thought. Wow, didn't know he was into that. So we see there's lots of community out there, but we wanna be specific that we've found here at TBC and most churches have found this that in order to really grasp biblical community, that it's often found in home groups, it's often found in smaller studies and times together. And so we can see that community oftentimes can be what you would say a, an incubator and also a springboard. And so when we get in a community, we see that we come together in these groups and we come together to really kind of grow and especially if we're new believers, but even if we're not new, we all need to grow. And we get out of that incubator and we start walking around, spiritually speaking, right? And we become followers of Jesus and we start to mature, but it starts in that incubator phase. But unfortunately, when it comes to biblical community and home groups, they often stay in the incubator stage. But the challenge we need to look at and we're gonna look at today in answering these questions to understand biblical community often is, 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 is something that results in a springboard. 
and you launch yourself off into something that is active and something that is not just in a huddle, so to speak, in football terms, and you just talk about it and you're in that huddle, but instead you're releasing to play the game. You're ready to go and you're a springboard. It's launching you into the community. So in looking at this idea of community, you can go on our website in the tagline community and actually see that there's a great statement about home groups. It says, home groups are great environments for fostering spiritual growth and missional living through the experience of biblical community with other believers. They're not intended to just be Bible studies, but rather to be places where people truly share their hearts and lives with each other and grow together as they experience the application of the word of God to their lives. So that's biblical community. But next we need to look at the question, is community commanded in scripture? Is this just an idea that churches came up with to get people together and just kind of do their thing and eat together and and study the scriptures? Or is it found uh, in the scripture? Is it based in the word of God? Because we really don't want to bother necessarily doing it if it's not founded on scripture, right? So we need to look at this idea, you see that over, there's over 30 one another commands in the New Testament. So the concept of community is found all over the New Testament and back into the Old Testament, that there's this one another, this idea of looking out. And two of the scriptures we're gonna look at today, one involves burden bearing. Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This idea of coming together in community and bearing one another's burdens. That you don't have to do these things on your own. You don't have to go through difficulty on your own, but you also don't get to just rejoice on your own. Others come with you and rejoice with you. So there's an opportunity for burden bearing. There's also an opportunity for stirring and encouraging. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and do good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, sometimes I I have flashbacks of this verse from growing up in a pastor's home and being around the church a lot. I hear over the time and even us here on the stage sometimes use this scripture to say, hey, get in here on Sunday morning, right? Come on in, join the party. Don't, you know, sit at home, come on out. But that's not, if we just stop there, that's really not what he's saying here, right? He's actually talking about being in each other's lives, considering how to stir up one another, to love and good works. And there's a great opportunity when you get into a home group, get into an environment where you are challenging one another, stirring one another up, pushing each other into deeper times with God in a deeper relationship, not neglecting this meeting together, but encouraging one another as we see the day, capital D, approaching the day where Jesus returns. So we get to do this together, stirring and encouraging. Now, not everyone gets the opportunity to know when they're gonna die. There are people that you've known that have that opportunity, that see it down the road. Even our former pastor, he was here with us for five or six years after he was diagnosed with cancer. And so people sometimes have the opportunity to look down the road and make plans and 
prepare properly. And so it's kind of interesting to watch those people. And many of you have probably seen this happen in your own life with a a relative or a friend. And they begin to get this narrower focus and they get this kind of honed in idea of, of being able to really focus on what matters most. When we consider this idea and this thought process, it ties into community here because it ties into what Jesus had to say. What did Jesus focus on in his last moments as he knew he was facing certain death? The moments before, see if you can recognize a particular theme found in his prayer as he's in the garden in John 17, verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. You probably have to be asleep to not notice the theme in there. We have unity. And not only is it expressed here in Jesus' prayer, but Paul got the message because most of the letters he wrote were about unity to all the churches. But unity for what? It's one thing just to have unity, to come together for some purpose, But he said there's a reason behind the unity so that the world will know, so that the world will believe in God. So we have this unity. It's commanded in Scripture, and it's commanded for a purpose. And we're going to look at the results in a minute, but let's look at the purpose. What is the purpose of biblical community? In the book of Acts, we're given a great picture of what the early church looked like to live in community. They're just starting out. I mean, they are in that incubator stage in Acts chapter two. And they're all in there, little baby chicks, you know, just hatching when it comes to the church. They didn't have any experience in this at all. And it's interesting to see what came out of their community, what, did, what came out of them being together in Acts chapter two. You see, it's important also to understand, though, when you look at this passage, that this is not a prescriptive passage, meaning that this isn't like follow these things, these bullet points, and then you'll be a successful community because culturally things were a little different then. It doesn't mean you can't practice these things, though. There are descriptive things in here that we can embrace. And so it's important for us to see it that way. But let's look at what Luke has to say in Acts chapter 2. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved so here we see described in this passage what we studied last week the idea of surrender 
And this surrender was not an individualistic thing. This surrender resulted in community. It was a natural progression for those in the incubator stage of the church itself to naturally move toward community. You don't read in here that they were isolated. You read in here that they came together and they really clung to each other because they had no choice really. They, they were suffering great persecution. They were being imprisoned. They were facing death. And so they found this bond with one another. I heard a great sermon last week in, in the process of studying this idea of community, biblical community, from uh, Tim Keller. And he uses three L's to describe what's happening in this passage. It's learning, liturgy, and loving. The learning part, Acts 2, 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now we have the benefit of having all of it, all the scripture devote ourselves to. So they devoted themselves. They were learners. Their time in community, it wasn't just a Bible study, though. It went deeper than that. They had discussion. They pushed one another. They considered different topics. They, they really got into each other's lives, and in the process, as they studied the Scripture, then they let it springboard into community, into serving. Then liturgy, there was the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and in prayer, and the Greek language, that's one thing that's important for us to see. The breaking of bread, it actually, you can insert in there breaking the bread, which is what we just did during prayer time. Where they would actually come together and, and observe the Lord's Supper in this time of community. Where they would come together and observe this time in a sacred way. So they had the breaking of the bread, the Lord's Supper, but they also participated in baptism that they came together and encouraged one another through the baptism of the saints. And so, man, when I think back of the times in small group, especially when my kids were young and as they got to the point, and some of them aren't even there yet, but it got to the point of being baptized and the small group comes together and to see them get baptized at the river, at the lake, behind the Creekside building, it's such an amazing thing to do together. It's such a bonding thing. It's such an encouraging thing to, to see small groups come together and cheer this kid or this person, this adult on as they take this step of faith. And here they are in the early church doing this in community. Also reading and reciting God's promises. What a powerful thing to do together. Reading, reciting, even memorizing God's word. Uh, I'm, I'm going through this plan, this reading plan. It's a two-year plan because I'm not uh, very, uh, I don't have great attention span, so I can't do those one year like you all-stars out there. So I'll do the two-year plan. It's just a little bit easier. And so I'm running through Deuteronomy. And I'm reading through Deuteronomy, and there's some weird stuff in Deuteronomy some really messed up stuff and a lot of questions I still have you know even as a pastor of over 20 years but one thing I've been noticing in Deuteronomy one particular thing is uh, if you go through there and start underlining the Lord your God go look in the book start underlining the Lord your God when you see it I got to chapter 11 the other night and I went backwards and started counting all the underlines I did there were over 100 in 11 chapters. And it continues on. 
So it helps us see, man, this is an important thing to know that we are gods. This is the Lord our God. It's not just Israel's God. It's our God. He belongs to us. We belong to him. And so as we recite these promises, as we memorize them, that becomes more and more true, not in the sense that it's not true because we don't recognize it, but true in our hearts and our heads because we say it. It's on our hearts Deuteronomy 11, 18 and 19 says, you shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you're sitting in your house, when you're walking by the way, when you lie down, when you rise together. I still have amazing memories of us in our small group uh, early on with our kids of sitting in the living room trying to get them to sit down like herding cats, right? And get them to sit down just to hear a scripture and memorize it. And you got this proud kid that raises his hand, you know, is like, I got it, I can say it. And then they screw it up and you're all like, oh, that's okay. You know, you still cheer them on. But the idea is, you know, memorizing together as a small group. And it's not just limited. Oftentimes, uh, you know, Awana and other programs programs, we limit it to kids, but guess what? We need to do this as a small group as adults too, as young people, memorizing the word, reading, reciting. This is what they were doing as part of the liturgy. And then loving. Look at what they were doing. They were selling what they had to identify a need. It wasn't what I often do, maybe our family does, or maybe you do, where it's like, I got a little extra this month, where can I give it? Which is great, I'm not knocking that. Please, be generous to help others. But in this situation, they're like, oh, so-and-so has a need, let me sell my fill-in-the-blank back then, whatever they were selling, and give the proceeds away. That's what was happening here. It was this, this... Learning this liturgy led to this loving environment. And it also led to this awe, this love that they had for others, this awe of God. One of the main purposes in community is to praise God together. C.S. Lewis points this out, this kind of descriptive understanding of, of what it means to really praise God when you come together. He talks about, he explains that for most people, when you see something stunning, you can't help but want to share it with someone else. It's just that's the way it is. It's, it's, you get excited about it. When I read this concept this week, when I was looking into this, it just really resonated with me because I'm always trying to get people in on the fun, right? Get people in on the excitement, like, this was amazing, you gotta see this. And some of you may be like that too. And maybe even some of you people that aren't like that are still kind of sharing it on the side through Instagram, you know, a little triangle button like I do, just bang. And I just annoy people with videos all the time. But the idea is like, man, I just saw something amazing. Actually, this week, let me annoy, annoy you with one of the videos. Check it out. I saw it this week. That's the type of stuff right there. So... You get into this situation where you see it and you're like, wait, this fifth grader just hit a shot with his back to the basket to win the game. Everyone needs to see that, right? Right? And my wife's like, no, they don't. <laughs> yes, they do. My daughters are sitting across me in the living room. Look at this. Look what just happened, right? 
And so in this instance here, when it comes to all, this is what was happening. They were coming together in community and saying to one another, look at this. Look at what God did here. I was struggling in sin. I was, I was not treating my family well or I was, I was in this addiction or whatever it is or my son was going this way and now he's come back. And in the community is the opportunity to be able to gather together and say, look how great God is. Look at what he's done. And we see this played out here, praising God, having favor with all the people. We get to be salt and light as well. The purpose is to be salt and light. Matthew 5, 13 to 16. You're the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. And do what? See your good works and post about it? See your good works and pat you on the back? See your good works and whatever, fill in the blank? No. Give glory to your Father who is in heaven. There it is. So for these people... They were running into favor with others. Man, this group of people that came together, you look at the passage before this one we just read, look at who came together, because that's another series in itself. The people that came together did not belong together at all. Culturally, they were from here to here in status. Skin color, they were all over the map, skin color, and it's kind of not ironic that, or not unique to us that we're about to celebrate Martin Luther King Day tomorrow, and we hit this passage because guess what? They were from all races as well. And that's what the kingdom of God is about, and this is what happened in the incubator. They came together, all from different backgrounds. I'm sure there were plenty of good arguments happening in these home groups, but what it turned into was an opportunity to gain favor with all the people and glorify God. There are studies that are done. You look at the life of Tertullian who, who wasn't at the time a believer and he looks back at this group of people and he writes about this group of people and it says, every, basically what he says to, to sum it up is, everyone else wants to kill each other. But these people were loving each other an unbiased observer of the early church. And so here we have it. We're in awe, but we're in awe because of what God's done. And that's the purpose. Number four, what are the results of biblical community? We see favor with all the people, but we can go deeper into 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 through 11. We did a study not too long ago on this book and I had the opportunity to teach this particular passage and what hit me was the first line, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Notice he observed that they were doing it already, but he also knows human nature and knows that we can stop loving each other just as quickly as we started, right? And he uses that word earnestly, that word meaning that it's a never failing love. 
whether someone disappoints you, whether they anger you, whether they let you go. Now, understandably, when it comes to abuse and things like that, yes, there has to be a point that stops. We're talking about community. We're talking about home groups. We're talking about disappointment because when you get in people's lives, sometimes you're gonna wanna run. When you see the mess and it's like a mirror to you because you're a mess too, and instead of engaging with it, you want to check out and just be on your own? That's the opposite of what they were doing. That's the opposite of what was happening here. We're called to engage one another, especially in the tough times. They were from all over the place, but they came together in love. Earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling as each has received the gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength God supplies, in order that in everything, notice the theme, that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory, dominion forever and ever. Throughout this time, we see this idea of unity and bringing glory to God. There's the purpose, and these are the results. So here's some results. First of all, speaking truth in love. Paul says in Ephesians 4.15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. Speaking the truth in love. Oftentimes, I know in my own life, I'm sure not your life, but mine, I stop at speaking the truth. I kind of chop off the next two words. I'll blame it on things like where I grew up or, you know, they needed to hear it, right? It's just the truth, right? But instead, I don't carry out that truth in love and then all it is is a hurt and a pain what was meant to be something that could have been encouraging, maybe even to push somebody to a deeper walk with Christ ends up being something hurtful that you end up apologizing for later. Speaking the truth in love and in community, we have that opportunity to do that. There's a quote here by Claude Hickman, speaker, writer, says, the stronger the bridge of relationship, the heavier the truth you can drive across it. When you're not in community, it's tough to speak truth and have it received well because people don't know you. They don't know your ins and outs and why you would say it this way or why you would do it this way or why you came from this perspective. But when you're in community together, when you're in each other's lives week in and week out, you can actually receive things that hurt a little better. And there are guys in my life that I can meet with and they can feel free to say things to me that maybe someone else wouldn't. And that's what community is about, embracing that idea. They also serve together. Another result of community is serving together, this bonding experience of serving together. And again, I have just lasting memories of my family growing up, but also with my own kids, and some of you do too, where you just get together and you go make a hot lunch and feed my sheep, or you go to Helping Hands or Foster Love, Body of Christ, all these different places, and you're like, we're going to come together, even if the kids necessarily don't have that idea as something great to do. You bring them along anyway, and it ends up being something that's amazing. It's still chaos, but it's still awesome because you're serving together. And it's one of the things that community does in us. It pushes us to serve. You also care for one another. This concept was played out so well three weeks ago. 
great friend of mine, Todd Martin, he's a great servant of this church and the Lord for so many years, over 20 years, he had a series of strokes that left half of his body numb. Now he's doing much better today, but this was three weeks ago, and he had to go to the hospital. And it's interesting, you know, I, I, I thought about this, reached out to him, went to his house, and I was like, Todd, can you send me what you've experienced in biblical community during this whole ordeal? He's like, I can't text it to you. I got to write it. It's way too long. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to have to trim it up a little bit because whatever he wrote would take the entire time today. But here's some of the highlights of what he listed. A doctor friend going back 30 years gave advice, expertise, friendship, all from community back in the day. Many visitors came during the four-day hospital stay, including two prayer partners in his community, friends of 23 years. Another friend brought a special visitor from Rwanda, a community he has all the way across the world. Came as a surprise. Another family in community brought dinner and gifts for a white elephant gift exchange along with a birthday cake and a balloon because he celebrated his 54th birthday in the hospital. He has a flood of texts that he still can't get to from three weeks ago. And it all came out of community, and this is how he sums it up. This life of faith requires brothers and sisters battling alongside us for the cause of the gospel. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you can't see. That's what makes it great, and that's what makes it difficult. Thank you for your continued prayers. The mission continues, and the last three words blew my mind and continue to blow my mind because it's a theme throughout what we've been talking about that he didn't know that it was gonna come out in this sermon, God be praised. That's how he wraps it up. And everything we've seen so far is to God be the glory, for the glory of God, for the glory of God, and Todd is someone who gets it. The community results in God being praised. So we see that God is glorified at the end of that passage in 1 Peter, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. So, number five, how can you be a part of an authentic biblical community in 2023? Some of you may be out there, and maybe you've tried community and you got burnt out. Maybe you got hurt in your past community, so you're like, nope, never again. Let this be an encouragement to you. Let me push you a little bit to say, think about it again, because God wants you there. Entertain the idea of being hurt again because you're not gonna find another group that's gonna be able to treat you the way, exactly the way you want. It's the same thing with our marriages, right? It's not exactly in every moment how I wanna be treated, but the reality is that is where love is found. That's where community is found. That's where growth is found. So we don't just ditch the idea because we've been hurt. Instead, maybe it's time to give it another try in 2023. And you can go by the welcome desk and someone will be glad to point you in the right direction when it comes to uh, being part of one. Maybe if you're in a group already, invite someone. One of the best ways to grow as believers and as a church together is inviting someone into community. It's a little awkward just to kind of show up so we have the opportunity as people who exist in small groups to invite people. Some of us are like, well, then the small group will be too big. Then multiply or enjoy the big group. 
We have groups all over the place that I see around here that have multiplied because they just continue to invite people, and that's fine. Make it a big old group or multiply and just continue to invite people into this community. People don't just naturally just like, oh, I guess I'm gonna sign up for this because I was talking to David this week about it. It's like, it's like lots of people may show interest, but unless there's a personal connection, it's very rare to see someone latch on to a community. And so for us as believers, let's invite people into community. And then number three, feel free to meet with David. David Richardson eats, sleeps, breathes these things and he loves to talk about community and he loves to help get these things started. So we'd love for you to connect with him. His, his email's on our website and you can be encouraged that way. See, my family and I, we don't live close to blood relatives. Sometimes that's a good thing. <laughs> Sometimes it's a bad thing, you know? Depending on what you're, the way you're looking at it. But we don't live near anybody that's really close and so for us, community has been like a lifeblood in our, in our homes, in our lives, through difficulty and struggle and trial. It's been a blessing. And this, for this, we're forever grateful. So I, I want to leave you with this story uh, that I experienced this past week. One that God, you know, works and orchestrates because, you know, God's amazing and he just knows what we need when we need it. Let's start with maybe a little bit of background. Uh, a few weeks ago, we had our friend Jean-Baptiste joined us from Rwanda, and, I, and when, he, when he comes to visit, he came before, and we always take him out to Miller Springs, you know, and I'm addicted to that place, so I just go out there and just kind of do my thing out there and bring my dog, and I bring my boys with me at times, and so I brought Jean-Baptiste and my boys. We're out hiking, and um, we're getting close to the end, and I'm telling Jean-Baptiste, hey, this is the end, and he gave my boys a challenge. He said, hey, I want us to run up, try to run up this last hill. And uh, if I would have come up with that idea, guess what my boys would have done? They would have been whining and complaining and no, no way, Dad, I'm already sweaty, tired. But the dude came from Africa, so what are you gonna do? All right, let's go. So, my, and especially Noah, Noah just bam, just blew up that mountain. I was like, wow, okay. But I look around, I, out of the corner of my eye, I see Owen. I see Baptiste, and he grabbed his hand. It was right at that point, he grabbed his hand. Now, fast forward a few weeks to last Sunday, and it's just Owen and I out in this hike. And you can see him there. He likes to bring friends with him to check out the scenery as well. Uh, but on that day is where he took that picture, and we're approaching this hill. And I said, Owen, you want to try to run again? And surprisingly, he's like, okay. But here's what he did. He said, Daddy, will you hold my hand? And I was like, okay. I'm just proud of myself right now for not crying. But uh, <laughs> he reached out to get my hand. And in that moment, he didn't want anything, you know, touchy-feel, you know, like in the sense that he needed any kind of like love at that moment. He was looking at a hill that had rocks and that looked like it was intimidating. And he wanted my hand. And he reached out and said, hold my hand. I thought about that later that evening. It didn't even hit me at the time, but later that evening, I'm like, wow, isn't this what community is about? You know, we face struggle. Life is tough. We face challenges, whether it's illness or loss of a loved one, loss of a job, sickness, you know, all these different things that come our way and that it seems oftentimes it's just waves, right? 
It's like something just happened. Can you let up for a second? And it's just another wave. And in that moment when he asked for my hand, it made me think, you know, later on, made me think, wow, this is what it's about. Just like Owen on that hike, we need fellow believers in our lives to, to bear our burdens, to maybe give us stability in the rocky places of life. We need people that come alongside us and pull us along when we want to give up. Do you have those people? Do you have that kind of community? If you don't, please seek it out. If you have it, praise God for it. But if you also have it, please invite others into it. It's an amazing thing. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. Lord, for the power of your word that convicts us, Lord. Some are convicted of their need to be in community. Maybe they've abandoned the idea. Maybe they haven't tried it yet. Maybe some are convicted of their sin and maybe they haven't trusted you as their savior yet. I pray that they will know that they can trust in you for the shedding of blood for the forgiveness of their sins, that they can know you and enter into this godly community. Lord, I pray that you will lead unconnected people to a solid home group, that they can find the strength and encourage and burden bearing and serving and loving. Lord, I pray for groups that um, really just want to be good demonstrators of who you are in this world, just like we see in John 13, 35, that the world will know that we are your disciples because of our love for one another. And I pray that we'll do that in community. And maybe even somebody in here that is thinking about starting a group, that you'll give them the courage to do that. And all the fears will be wiped away so that they can just get after it with courage and boldness. Lord, we thank you that we find community in you. We find community in the Trinity, the basis of what community is. You, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Lord, bless us as we go out this week to enjoy the community we have or to get rolling on the community we need to encourage one another to be a part of it. We praise you for your love for us. In your name we pray, amen. Amen.